Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I am on a mission to teach people how to completely transform their romantic relationships by transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, you're single, or you're heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their minds, their bodies, and their breath. I have coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change their love lives. Today's episode is on relationship anxiety. And I have to tell you that relationship anxiety is the most common problem that I see people today face. It's just anxiety about the relationship, anxiety about being a good partner, anxiety about getting the right partnership, anxiety about whether or not someone's going to leave them, anxiety about whether or not the relationship's going to last. We are so conditioned to believe that we have to get it right because We want to avoid suffering at all costs. Pretty much every single person I know over a certain age knows what it's like to feel heartbroken, knows what it's like to feel betrayed, knows what it's like to experience a relationship ending. And even if they wanted it to end, just that feeling of failure that we face inside ourselves when something didn't work out. And this is major pain. And not only that, everyone knows what it's like, or pretty much everyone I know, and everyone I've ever worked with, and again, this has been thousands, knows what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night or to wake up first thing in the morning with that intense anxiety because you do not know where you stand in a relationship. You do not know if the relationship is going to last. And that's really intense because I always say your life could be going really well at work. You could have all the career success. You could have all the money in the bank account that you always wished you could have. You could have your health. You could be a rock star again in your office, in your friendships. Your family life could be going well, 
But if your love life is not going well, if your relationship is stressed out or you believe that you aren't capable of a healthy relationship or you're in an abusive relationship or you're afraid you're going to lose your relationship, any kind of relationship stress is the stress that steals joy from our lives. There is nothing like relationship stress. And sure, there's money stress and health stress that's very intense, but relationship stress has the power to make it so that we don't know how to be happy, even if everything else is going well. And it's because our fear of being alone, our fear of repeating the mistakes that our parents make, our fears of not being able to replicate our parents' 40 or 50-year marriage, these are the things that weigh heavily on so many people's minds. And we don't like that. We don't like to suffer. So we try to avoid it. And in the attempt to avoid the inevitable pain that just comes with life and loving, we get very anxious. We hate overall feeling out of control. And we're also in a very interesting time where people want a soulmate rather than just a companion or rather than just someone who's going to be a great mother or father to their kids or rather someone who's just going to be able to support them financially. We want someone who gives us everything, meets every need of ours, fulfills our dreams. We want someone who is constantly exciting us while at the same time, very safe and stable. And so we have this, even if it's unconscious, this requirement these days for this perfect partner. And we have this pressure that we put on ourselves, whether we realize it or not, to be perfect. And so much of it is because we've been sold this myth of the quote unquote one, that there's one person out there who's going to complete us. And it's a lie. It's a lie that we're sold by Hollywood and books and media. And the truth of the matter is that love is not something, chemistry is just something that happens to us, but love is something that we have to work on. And none of us are perfect. There is no perfect person out there. There's only the right person for you long-term, but you have to know who that right person is. That's another episode. I covered that in actually a few of the episodes on Jillian on Love, but I will continue the exploration of the art of choosing the right partner in an upcoming episode. But the reality is that we need that reality check that there is no perfect person who's just going to complete us. And I'll get to that a little bit later on, but I want to define or clarify what exactly relationship anxiety is, because it's a rather large umbrella. And it's really just any anxiety that is specifically focused on the relationship or getting the relationship or the partner. It's anxiety about whether or not the person is right. It's the anxiety over red flags. It's the anxiety over abandonment. It's the anxiety about, am I going to lose my autonomy? So some symptoms 
of just anxiety in general and specifically relationship anxiety is obsessing. So you could be obsessing about, let's say you're dating someone, whether or not they like you, whether or not you like them, whether or not they're the right person for you. Maybe they said something and you're reading into it constantly to the point where you feel paralyzed. There's a lot of mind reading, right? So instead of communicating there's a lot of, oh, they must be thinking this. They must be feeling that. You're jumping to a lot of conclusions. There's consistent doubting. And now it's very normal to doubt your relationship once in a while. And certainly in the first three months of getting to know someone, it's almost like it's a trial period. And so during that trial period, there will be times where you're like, is this right? I'm not quite sure. That's normal. When it falls into the category of anxiety, it's the constant doubting. It's the waking up in the middle of the night doubting. It's the waking up in the morning doubting. It's because you feel so out of control. Another symptom is just catastrophizing. Oh my God, they didn't text me back within 20 minutes. They must not like me anymore. Or they said that they're a little bit stressed out. So you jump to the conclusion, maybe they're stressed out about me. Maybe they're worried about the relationship. Another symptom is just unable to have fun with the person. You're constantly reading into everything, wanting to talk about the relationship and where it's going instead of just being in the present moment. At the end of the day, we want our relationships. Yes, we talk about how it's hard work and we have to nourish it and we have to cherish it. All these things are true. But at the end of the day, it should also be fun, especially in the beginning. It's got to be able to have fun with each other and, and actually forget that. It's not just in the beginning. It's throughout your entire relationship. Have to be able to be in the present moment and enjoy one another. Other symptoms are attachment woundings when your anxious attachment is coming up, when your avoidance is coming up. All the attachment wounding is really an anxious reaction to its fear. No one experiences anxious attachment or avoidance or disorganized attachment, however you want to refer to it as, without fear. And the fear is always, I'm not going to be good enough. Therefore, I'm not going to be loved. I'm going to be abandoned. So maybe I can abandon you before you abandon me. And then there's also a fear of, I'm going to be controlled. And if I reveal my heart to you, if I love you, I am basically giving you the power to destroy me. That's the underlying fear of all anxiety. We don't like to feel out of control. And the anxiety is our, it's almost like our self-protective strategy to not feel the deeper pain and suffering that is, oh, what if I'm not good enough for them? So it's interesting, all the obsessing, the mind reading, the constant doubting, the catastrophizing, anxious attachment avoidance if you're dating, the hypervigilantly looking for red flags or any signs of imperfection, sometimes testing people, oh, you know, I got to see if, you know, they're just right for me. So I'm going to put them through a few tests, maybe ask them a few questions and see if they pass or fail. Like all that stuff that we do. 
all that obsessing, that testing, that searching for imperfection has one goal, and that is to self-protect because we don't want to experience pain. And so a huge part of being in a relationship is being willing to take the risk, being willing to take the adventure that is relationship. No one can guarantee that they're going to never stop loving us. No one can guarantee that they're going to stay with us forever and vice versa. And so we enter relationships and we enter the dating world with this understanding that nothing really lasts. Even if the relationship lasts, they might die before you. And this weighs heavily on us. That is why it takes so much courage to be in a relationship. But it also takes the faith in knowing that we can handle whatever disappointment comes our way. The faith in knowing that if we're dating someone and they end up rejecting us, that they weren't meant for us anyway. And so we have to really believe in ourselves. And I cover this about two episodes before on how to love yourself and how to raise your self-esteem. So that might be a really, really important and good episode to listen to in addition to this episode as sort of almost like one, one complete episode. We have to believe in ourselves to be able to handle whatever disappointment comes our way. And we have to have faith in ourselves, faith in just life, faith in whatever it is that you believe in, if you believe in God or some sort of higher power, whatever it is that you believe in. And if you don't believe in anything like that, just faith in yourself, like I said. Anything that is truly meant for you, as long as you are choosing the right people, it'll happen for you. And what I mean by that is, sure, we sabotage things sometimes for sure, but I really can guarantee this. Anything we sabotage, it's just a lesson and there's someone else that we can practice our skills on and we can love again. And it's really about getting out of this if you will, mindset of there's only one person out there. And this is why the myth of the one is so damaging. The one being soulmate, twin flames, all of that. Because I mean, we're literally walking around with this story in our minds that if we don't find that person, then we're left alone. We're incomplete. And so we have this search for that feeling of the twin flames. And if we don't get it, it's like, that's a really depressing thing to live with. And I just don't believe it's true. I believe it's a dangerous belief to have. I think that we can connect to different people on various different levels. And I think that the stage of life that we're in determines also the kind of connections that we make. And there will be people who we feel very connected to 
on a primal level, but they are incredibly unhealthy for us. And then there will be people who we will feel very connected to who are really good for us, but we still have to work on the connection. And if you've never been in a relationship that's lasted minimally five years, minimally, and then you must know that after years have passed, love deepens, yes, but it changes and it becomes more every day of a choice. We have to choose who the one will be. And you have to remember many of the love stories that are depicted in film and novels are love stories that are of the beginning stages. They depict the falling in love. They rarely depict the love that's there 20, 30 years later. And if they do, if they're doing it well and accurately, something is changed in that dynamic. And in many ways, it's more beautiful than it ever was. The constant obsessing, mind reading, doubting, catastrophizing, which can be so incredibly painful and it feels incredibly compulsive. These intrusive thoughts are there to try to relieve you of the anxiety that you feel. You feel really anxious, but those thoughts are the mind's way of being like, let me preoccupy you with all these thoughts so you don't have to feel the extreme discomfort in your body, in your nervous system of the immense anxiety that you feel. And so a huge part of addressing this so that it does not take over your life, like a little bit of relationship anxiety is normal. It's really hard to get away with not having a little bit of it for the reasons that I've outlined already. But when it's taken over your life, you have to understand these thoughts are trying to pull your attention away from a feeling inside of you that feels too overwhelming to experience. But the thing is, is that if we don't feel it, it just gets bigger. I mean, you may have heard this expression, but whatever we resist persists. And not only does it persist, but it grows. And so we have to, as corny as it sounds, we have to befriend it a little bit. If we're constantly fighting the uncomfortable feeling, the constant fighting, like I said, is manifested through all the obsessing and intrusive thoughts and doubting and catastrophizing. But if we can stop for a moment, and this is part of the self-soothing process, we can stop for a moment and get in touch with what we're actually feeling, what we're actually afraid of. That would be, quote unquote, leaning into the discomfort and facing and experiencing and acknowledging the pain that you would feel if it didn't work out the pain that you would feel if you felt like a failure or being rejected or being abandoned. And one really important question to ask yourself, if and when you're in the throes of this intense anxiety or intense obsessing that really is, like I said, to cover up the anxiety, and you feel like you're going nuts over this, one of the most powerful questions that I ask my clients who've experienced this very intense relationship anxiety is, I ask them, when did you first 
feel that feeling. And I say, where is it in your body? Where are you feeling this in your body? And I ask you this, where do you feel it in your body? Because a lot of people will say it, I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my jaw. I feel it in my head. Some people feel it in their belly. Okay. So you get in touch with that feeling. You locate where the feeling is in your body. What is all this obsessing and anxiety? What does it feel like in your body? It feels like someone is pressing down on my chest or it feels like my throat is closing up or it feels like a knot in my stomach. If you can get as specific as possible about where this feeling resides in your body and what it feels like in your body, that's step one. Step two is, when did you first feel that feeling? And that might take some time, 10 times out of 10, a person will eventually go back to, oh, I felt that, you know, somewhere in childhood. Maybe it was when they were five. Maybe it was when they were 12. And oftentimes it happened because of nothing that was actually done to the person. It was just an interpretation of something. Oh, my mom, she was late to pick me up from school one day. And I remember feeling that ache in my stomach. And that was the first time I ever felt it. And that's exactly what I feel right now. So the first step, like I said, is where do you feel it in your body? And when did you first feel that feeling? And if it's really intense, that memory, that story that you go back to, that might be something that you need to unpack further with a therapist or with a coach. But I think it's very powerful for one to understand that the relationship anxiety that you're having over this person or this relationship isn't really about them. It's older than that. And then after you've located the feeling in your body and you are able to figure out when you first had that feeling... Now it's really about learning how to sit with that discomfort of not feeling good enough. Because what it boils down to is, on the surface, it seems like it boils down to the fear of being abandoned. And it does. So much of that does. But underneath that is this fear of, maybe I'm not good enough to be able to sustain this relationship. Maybe I'm not good enough for them to actually want to be in a relationship with me. Maybe I'm too this or not enough of that. And we have to sit with that and trace it back. Where did it all begin? Where did you learn that? Take some of the tools that I shared and how to actually love yourself in that episode. And just sitting and breathing And maybe doing a meditation. I have a bunch of meditations on Jillian on Love Plus. And just breathe and relax your body and sit with it. And it might be pretty intense. I don't want you to stay in that feeling. But I just want you to acknowledge it. And then you might find that by acknowledging the feeling, then you get really sad. And then you ping pong between being sad and being anxious. That is just a clue that you're stuck in 
something that happened in the past, a story, a trauma. And again, a trauma is not so much usually not what happened to you, although there are things that happen to us that can be extremely traumatic, but how our body processes it. You know, mom didn't, I don't think mom loved me because she was late for school one day picking me up. And it might be deeper work where you have to have conversations with family members. It might be deeper work of just learning how to let go of that, of rewriting the story. Or it might be just a flash of insight right here and right now where you remember that you are totally capable. (laughs) You're totally capable of the disappointment and the hard work that a relationship entails. You will be okay. And you are okay with not being in control. You have to be because very little is in your control. Very little is in any of our control. And sometimes it's helpful to even imagine it not working out or being rejected. And sometimes I take my clients through this where you just imagine it not working out. And then it's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I guess I just go back to square one and that's okay. It sounds scary, but we have to calm our systems down first and go inward when we're all in our heads with all intrusive thoughts. Because when we're in that state of anxiety, we are divorced from the rest of our body and we're divorced from what is really true. So that is just something to do in the moment to explore where this could be coming from and to self-soothe and to be kind to yourself and to connect with yourself. Then it's essential certainly essential if there's deeper things that you really feel you need to unpack with a professional. But where people get it wrong and where I think a lot of people stop when in, in therapy where I don't think they should stop is they stop there. And this is not a long-term solution. Feeling where it feels in your body, recognizing how old is that feeling which by the way is extremely helpful when people can make the connection like, oh wow, this is something much older. It's actually, it's reassuring oddly because then you are able to put all this anxiety into context. But for longer term solution, you don't want to constantly be analyzing your past. You don't want to be constantly going back and forth between the anxiety and the self-soothing and then getting calm and then going back into the anxiety. It's just not a long-term solution. So I'm going to offer up some things that you can consider doing that if you put into practice, I could pretty much guarantee will change your life vis-a-vis relationship anxiety. So... One of those things is meaning in life, finding or creating a life that we feel preoccupied by in a good way. I once had a dear client say to me, but Jillian, if this doesn't work out, then I have this lonely, crappy life to return to. And that was all, it's what I already knew, 
that this person was feeling, but it's all that I needed them to really be able to admit because that for them, and you might resonate, was the reason why he was having so much relationship anxiety. If we don't have a life that is meaningful to us, that doesn't mean that we don't want a relationship. You can say, I'm better and happier when I'm in a relationship. Great. I don't pathologize that. I think that's what we're meant for. But that has to be an and, and I have a lot of meaning in my life. And so I'm not just letting anyone in it. And I will wait until the match is right. Part of finding meaning in life is learning how to meet our core needs. And for today, I want to define our core needs as the need for security. And that can be just emotional security, financial security, just stability. The need for connection. And in this case, I'm talking about community, friends, family. The need for adventure, and everyone has a different perspective of adventure. I would say just doing anything outside your comfort zone where you're like, afterwards, you're like, whoa, I feel revitalized by that. That's an adventure. And the last, but certainly not least, the need for contribution, the need to give back to something or someone outside of ourselves whether that's volunteering, whether that's working with children, whether that's working with animals, whatever it is, it's got to be authentic to you. Whether it's teaching sports, being a coach in a baseball league, whatever it is. Because when you contribute, there's also an adventure in that. You also get a lot of connection in that. And it makes you feel good about yourself. So there's some emotional stability that comes out of that. And so we need to be able to meet these needs for ourselves. And specifically, if you have a lot of relationship anxiety where you feel like I have to make this work because what's really motivating me is the fact that I don't like my life or I'm bored, then the work is that you have to look at your life and figure out how to meet these needs. And I guarantee any one of you who's committed to figuring it out, you can figure out some of this by yourself, or you could speak to a mentor or a therapist and you figure out how to have more security, connection, adventure, and contribution in your life. I guarantee your relationship anxiety is going to decrease significantly, if not a hundred percent. I guarantee it but it's not an overnight thing. And you might look at those core needs and you know, not all of them are being met at the same level. Maybe some of them are really being met quite well, but others are not. It's finding meaning in life, purpose in life. So much of finding purpose in life is being able to meet these needs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The next thing is really looking into and examining and exploring our relationship with control and our relationship with our egos and needing to feel really important. You see, when we get into a relationship and all we're thinking about is, am I good enough? Am I hot enough? Are they going to choose me? All of that. We're not really focusing on, do I want to make an authentic, deep connection with another person? Or am I just thinking about being good enough? Am I just thinking on the ego level? Because it's really easy with anxiety to get fixated on all the surface stuff And part of our maturity in relationship is making the decision, my priority is not my ego. My priority is to form as deep of a connection with another person as I possibly can. And when that becomes our priority, it inspires us to be a better person, to work on the connection, not just about, well, what can I get from this person so that I feel more secure, so I feel more connected, so I feel more excited? No, I already can meet those needs for myself. What I need in a relationship is something that I can only get with another being, and that is almost a transcendence because I want to form such a deep connection with another person. I'm not waiting to feel this intense chemistry right away. I actually want to work on getting to know someone so deeply and profoundly and to see what that brings up in me and all the obstacles that brings up in me. And I am ready to face those obstacles because what's most important to me is building this with another person. And so part of this narrative is we have to get our priorities straight. (laughs) We have to get our priorities straight. Is this really just about being good enough or having a lot of fun? Or do we want something deeper? Because I see a lot of people have a ton of relationship anxiety about someone who is so inappropriate for them because they're so stuck in needing the external validation that they're not getting in touch with what's really underneath all that and wanting true connection with someone. And we have to get out of the, I need external validation and we have to tap into, no, I want something meaningful. And then some of the relationship anxiety over these inappropriate people will go away. And part of that is just maturity. A really great episode to listen to on Jillian on Love that will support and give you some 
insight into this is my interview with Lulu Johnson, where she went from toxic relationships to a real relationship. And some of the mindset shifts that she had to make really from superficiality into something deeper and more meaningful. And of course, our relationship with control, I mean, at the very heart of anxiety is a control issue. It's the fear of the unknown. It's this deep belief that we're not going to be okay, that we're unsafe in some way. And that runs deep and it runs different for everyone. And that might be something that you need to unpack with the help of someone for sure. But learning how to meet your needs for stability, connection, adventure, and contribution is going to help you have more faith in yourself. And therefore, you'll feel safer in the world, which means that although you, would, you don't want to experience relationship pain, none of us do, there's something deeper inside of you that knows that you can handle it. Okay. So this is sort of like my prescription that I give a lot of people when they're dealing with a lot of relationship anxiety, however it's manifesting intrusive thoughts, anxious attachment, they're shutting down avoidance, whatever it is, or their hearts are sort of closed or they're hypervigilance on dating, or they're attached to an ideal of perfectionism, all these different manifestations that all go under relationship anxiety that is really uncomfortable it's really helpful to keep a thought log. And in a thought log, what you would do is you would basically write down the intrusive thought, the obsessive thought, and you write it down. And then next to it, you write down, are you mind reading? Are you in perfectionism? Are you catastrophizing? Or are you getting into like an all or nothing thinking? right? So it's almost like it's the intrusive thought, then it's the distortion, the misconception. So are you mind reading? Are you being totally perfectionistic? Are you catastrophizing? Are you going into all or nothing thinking? And then after that, you write more of like what your higher mind, once you lean into the discomfort, you get your nervous system to calm down, then you would write down the sort of quote unquote rational thought or response to that. So for example, the intrusive thought is they didn't respond to my text within the hour. That means that they don't actually really like me and um, they're not really that into me and they're disrespectful right? So that's all or nothing thinking. And then once you calm down and you take some time and you take some pace, space with yourself to go through all the steps that I outlined here, then your higher mind, your more rational thought would be, they're actually really busy. <laughs> they have a really busy job. And just because they did not respond to me within an hour, it's not a measure of how much they care about me. It just shows how busy they are. And I know that they'll get back to me soon because they always get back to me. You know, or you're, if you're having an intrusive thought where you're mind reading, they didn't call me. So, you know, they must not 
really like me or anything like that. Or and at a first date, obviously, if they don't ever call you, then maybe they're not that interested. But it can even be with a friend. It's like, oh, my friend didn't come to my dinner, you know, or my party. They must not think that I'm a good friend. They must not care about me. And this is someone who you know is a good friend. So you just say to yourself, I haven't spoken to my friend all day maybe something happened. Maybe they're stressed out. Maybe they're having to take care of their, the catastrophizing. It's a very common one. You're catastrophizing like, oh, they didn't call me for the job interview. So that must mean that they don't like me. And oh my God, maybe they're going to write a bad, maybe someone wrote a really bad review of me somewhere. The mind can go into this whole narrative And that's when we have to calm down. How old is this? Where is this in my body? Let me breathe. Let me take a break. And okay, what else could this mean? Great. Really helpful for this thought log is the work of Byron Katie. What else could this mean? Is this really true? Is it possible that I am not perceiving this correctly? That there's a misinterpretation somewhere? What else could this mean? So a thought log, you've got the intrusive thought, you identify if you're catastrophizing, mind reading, all or nothing thinking, and then you take some time to soften your nervous system and you ask yourself, very similarly to the words of Byron Katie, is this really true? Could something else be true? Is it possible that I am stuck in my head right now? Is it possible this is my anxiety speaking? And you keep a thought log. The second thing is exercise. You have to be moving your body. And you can't just do the same thing every day where you're so used to it. You have to be moving your body in different ways. I don't care if it's five minutes. I don't care if it's 10 minutes. I don't care if it's an hour. But you have to be doing stuff to change your internal state because when we change our bodies, we change how we feel. I don't care if it's dancing to uplift you. I don't care if it's lifting weights to ground you. I don't care if it's yoga to stabilize you. Whatever it is, I don't care if it's a long walk to calm you. Whatever it is that you need to do, you need to be moving your body. Some people have found tremendous healing in somatic work, breath work, certain massage that deals with the vagus nerve so that it deals with the nervous system or fight or flight. I am a huge believer in that. You just have to find the right practitioner for you. Very healing. Next thing, community and connection. If you don't have good community and connection, you have to find it. I don't care if you're doing it by being a leader of a group or contributing to a group or joining a sports team. I don't care how you do it, but you have to figure out a way to do it. I don't care. Join my my membership. If you're a woman, the, the conscious woman, that's all about community and women helping each other and building each other up and learning how to be savvier and more conscious and wiser in relationship, whatever it is, but you have to find it contribution. Like I said, you have to get out of your head by giving back to someone or something else. I guarantee it'll change your life, but you have to be willing to do these things. Otherwise you continue to live in the prison of your mind. And I've been there 
I don't ask anyone to do anything that I have not done for myself or worked with many, many people to do the exact same thing. This stuff works. And you might need a mentor, therapist, or a coach to really help you with this. I certainly have, but it works. And if you're having some anxiety when you're starting to see someone, here are some really great questions you can ask yourself to determine if this person is someone worth getting to know better. And these are also really important questions to ask yourself so that you don't get caught in the hypervigilance, looking for green flags, red flags, perfectionism, all that stuff. Question is, how do I feel around this person? How do I feel? Do I feel calm in my nervous system? Do I feel wrecked? Do I feel excited? How do I feel? Do I feel safe? Do I feel safe to express an opinion with this person? Can we have a difference of opinion? And can it be actually interesting? If you didn't have anxiety, what kind of partner would you want to be? Who do you want to be as a partner? What makes you the right partner? How would you want others to describe your partnership, if they were on the outside looking in. What are three things, three really important things that, that I really want in a partner in terms of their temperament? What is really right for me? Are they grounded and stable? Are they adventurous? Are they playful? Because I have to say this one last thing, which is especially if you're single, and you're dating, there is no jackpot in a person. No one is perfect because we are all autonomous beings with different belief systems, different conditioning, different pasts, different families. And therefore, we all have a different lens through which we see the world and relate to the world. So our job as a person in relationship is to communicate with that awareness that we're dealing with someone who's not us. So instead of just jumping for the first sign that like, oh, they don't think like I do, or they're different and projecting all this perfectionism onto them and judgment onto them, we have to be able to acknowledge that they're different. And that's good, but it's also the reason why we need to communicate. And one of the things that I've noticed that people do when they have a lot of relationship anxiety, and this was me at one point in my life, so I can speak with absolute certainty on this, is that we don't communicate because we're too busy obsessing and mind reading and catastrophizing. And so just learning to actually communicate, learning those skills, learning to be vulnerable, learning to ask certain questions, learning to reveal certain parts of ourselves that we normally would keep very hidden. This is the key. So I know this is a lot and it's a lot because of how common it is and how anxiety is a nationwide and in many ways, a global epidemic really. And relationship anxiety is an all-time high because we put so much stock in romantic relationship. 
So I will probably do more episodes on this, but for now, I hope that you can take from this whatever resonates most for you and to share this with as many people as you think it will help. Because I am telling you right now, there could be one thing that I said in this episode that could completely turn it around for someone else. So start today with identifying where these core needs for stability, for connection, for adventure, for contribution. What needs do you need to learn how to meet more so that you can feel more whole within yourself and that your life has more meaning? And start today, just write it down. Just brainstorm the things that you can be doing to meet these needs more. And maybe you'll find, you know what? I really need to hire someone to help me with this. Start today with that. And if you have any questions or any comments, please feel free to reach out to hello at jillianonlove.com. Rate, review, subscribe. Again, if you have a friend or many people you know who could really benefit from this, honestly, I think everyone can. Please share it. You never know whose life you could be significantly changing. And I thank you for listening. Until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan Countshouse, edited in music by Will Tendy. Are you ready for the ultimate Love Island experience? Join us on After the Island. We're going back to where it all began, Fiji. Love Island USA Season 5 is making a splash on Peacock right now. And guess what? Your favorite recap show is back, too. Welcome to After the Island. Join us as real-life besties and co-hosts, Elizabeth and Alex, as we deep dive into each sizzling episode of Love Island USA. We'll spill the tea, interview contestants, answer fan questions, and give you unprecedented behind-the-scenes access to the wildly popular world of Love Island. Don't miss a single moment of the drama, romance, and unforgettable island vibes. Listen to After the Island on any streaming platform. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.